for Bonix. That is right, y'all. It's the Sermon of Quack. When it's when it's Sunday morning and my instant requaction comes out, that means well, first of all, I was tired. Uh that I stayed up too late watching Pac Twelve After Dark. Oh hopefully I mean luckily Colorado is still undefeated, so the hype is still still alive with Coach Prime. But, uh, yeah, it took me a little later than I thought. So, it's a Sunday morning show, and it's the best kind of Sunday morning show. It's the morning show after a victory. That is right, a big, big-time victory. Well, the score was big anyways. Uh, the opponent, maybe not so uh, prime as the one after, but um, 55-10 to 10 over Hawaii. We love Hawaii. We're absolutely rooting for Hawaii. Timmy Chang, we want that program to be as great as it was back in the day when you were playing it. Absolutely rooting for it. It was nice that so much of the money went to the uh, to, to Hawaii in general. Um, that definitely makes you <laughs> want to go to the game, want to support the team. Absolutely. But I've got 12 requactions. Re, re, wait, wait, wait. Instant requactions. Is that what I'm calling it? I don't know. These questions for me, I guess. Number one. Number one, perfect first quarter. Was that a perfect first quarter from the Oregon Ducks? I know the opponent isn't as um, tough as the rest of the season is going to be most likely. Well, I don't know. Maybe they put up more of a fight than Stanford will. Though Stanford and Hawaii played each other. And uh, it was close for a bit. But, um, yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be a step up in competition However, that could have been as as well as you can play in the first quarter. I mean, there was a, a we forced a three and out, a real quick three and out. Then two plays, fifty nine yard score to to, to Tess Johnson, brother to brother connection. You love to see it. Um, then we had the Kyrie Jackson interception. That's two interceptions for him in a row in two games redeeming himself after a few mistakes from last game. Uh, 43-yard field goal from my man, Camden Lewis. I mean, he's getting so much more respect than we were given. Well, than he deserved early in his career, but also just in general. I love to see all the Oregon Duck fans loving him. Uh, he, you know, he even got the photo shoot. He had him his last practice because he was too busy with our wonderful, wonderful social media team. At U of O. Oh, man. They're killing it. But, uh, yeah, it was nice to see him be the, the model for the new uniform, you know. Um, then there was, uh, there was a 15-yard, like, Shager pass, and that was probably one of their their <laughs> biggest plays, their most explosive plays. So, hey, I'll take that. Uh, we forced a punt, though, shortly after that. Then seven plays, 91 yards for the Ducks, another score, then another forced punt, then 10 plays, 67 yards, another score. So, I don't know. I mean, hopefully we get a lot more first quarters like that. If we answer Colorado immediately with just a dominant first quarter, I don't think they'll be able to respond. Honestly. So... Yeah. Uh, number two in the instant requactions. Number two, tight end display. Yes, it's a funny thing to say, but our tight ends were fully on display, and the best part about it all was that they all looked healthy. 
you know, as far as we could see. Patrick Herbert was there. He was dominant. He was he was blocking people like crazy. Um, of course, Terrence Ferguson. We still haven't seen a truly explosive uh Offensive game from Terrence Ferguson. He's he's had some big plays. I definitely remember a couple of big plays to extend some drives against Texas Tech. He looked good in this one in limited time. Um, but I mean, we also had like Kenyon Sadiq was out there, the freshman. Uh, Casey Kelly was out there, the transfer. Actually, there was a fun play where Kenyon Sadiq uh, actually ran the ball, got 12 yards off of it too. That was fun to watch. Um, we had those sets where three tight ends came out. These these big boy packages, hard to deal with. Yeah, definitely hard to deal with when you're Hawaii and got undersized line. So it's just nice to see this many tight end options, this many offensive threats, big boy offensive threats. Gotta love it. Number three. Bo Nix, the steady hand. Now, Bo Nix was not perfect in this game. Bo Nix was not perfect in Texas Tech either. But I don't think we're asking him to be perfect. It's just now that's kind of the standard almost with Bo Nix is you're looking at the mistakes he's making. Uh, he did miss Troy Franklin twice. Barely, but he did miss Troy Franklin tw twice. You could see the frustration on his face. He also missed Tez Johnson. On a deep ball. then the, And there's a moment where Tess Johnson's like, kind of like, calm down, calm down. And he did. And then he found him in the end zone later. On that same drive, if I remember correctly. Bo Nix has the most starts out of any, I'm pretty sure, player in college football right now. Cer certainly FBS quarterback. Um, and he, he's on pace to be, in general, most starts out of any player in college football with all the... The COVID years and the, you know, everything. So, it's amazing. He he is a sure thing. Um, there's only a handful of quarterbacks that are doing better than him right now in the country, and most of them are in the Pac-12. <laughs> you know, Michael Penix and Caleb Williams. You hate to say it, but they are, oof, they're they're top top tier. Bo Nix is there. But um, it's really going to come down to how those individual quarterbacks play or, like, drag their team across the finish line when we all go against each other. Pac-12 play is going to be brutal. We need a player like Bo Nix. Thank God we have him. And uh, he's top in the country. We all know Bo. And he's a wonderful guy to know. Number four, elite offense. Elite offense, 560 yards, 333 passing yards, 227 rushing yards. We assumed it was going to be something like this against Hawaii, and it was. I mean, you look through the week, there's a whole lot of play, a whole lot of teams playing down. Like, look what Alabama was doing, you know? <laughs> look what uh, Texas was struggling mighty with Wyoming until they weren't. But maybe Wyoming's a better team than we thought, too. I mean, I hope so. Strength. I mean, we didn't play them, but Texas Tech played them, and it still somewhat helps our strength of schedule, you know. Um, P.S. Portland State. Oh my God, they laid like ninety points on North American, which is a school, I guess. I don't know. 
I, I know. I, yeah, I, I know it's a continent, but um, yes, yes, yes. Offense. What can you say besides you did your thing? Holy cow. I believe I didn't really look into it, but we're probably averaging the most points out of all college football right now. Helps when you played Portland State in week one and then still scored 35 points or so against Texas Tech. Um, we'll see if we can continue it. Number five, running back battle toss-up. Now I say toss-up because there was a lot of really fun little tosses, little pitches in this game that add a, a big wrinkle to Will Stein's offense. They're very fun to see. Many of them, obviously, going to the running backs. And we had uh, five running backs, really, play in this game. But we all know it's going to come down to Noel Whittington, Jordan James, and Bucky Irving. Bucky Irving definitely had the most hype from fans, even though it's, you know, Noel Whittington, Bucky Irving. That's like 1A, 1B, really. Though, it's actually, you know, through these first three games... Maybe you'd give the edge to Noah Winnington. That he's been a little more sure of a thing. Bucky Irving has been great. But, you know, he is averaging a few less yards. Um, there, There's a few mistakes from everyone. Like Noah Whittington dropped a ball, but then immediately redeemed it by getting in the end zone. Jordan James playing a little less of a role, but still... I mean, greatly increased from last season. Clearly not just like short yardage thing and is probably the most powerful running back. Though Noah Whittington is is very elite pass catcher too. I mean, I shouldn't say elite pass catcher, but when you're dumping it off to him, usually he's got that thing firmly in his hands and is getting a ton of yards even after the contact. Um, I'm not bashing Bucky Irving. He got 12 carries for 59 yards in this game. Uh, Noah Whittington got the long of 41 yards. Um, Bucky Irving's still great. I still think Noah Whittington and Bucky Irving are basically, you know, the the two guys. But, um, yeah, Whittington. Whittington's really impressed me right now. We're, we're in good shape overall. But it is a battle. And I'm not sure anyone's going to, quote, unquote, win this battle as in earn more playing time than the other I think there's always going to be a room that we're switching back forth in but um yeah it's a toss-up but it's a good thing you want the competition you want the battle number six Tez Johnson Tez Johnson that connection between his brother Bo Nix and him is it's a fun thing to report on it's a fun thing to watch it's very clear Every touchdown he throws to Tess Johnson, you know, against Tech and against Hawaii. They've they've meant a lot. Bonix is the first guy over there running, sprinting, congratulating him, talking real close with him. It's very fun to see. And Tess Johnson is becoming, I mean, one of our best, uh, if not the best, receiving threat right now. I mean, Troy Franklin and him. We've got a lot of really great receivers, but it's clear Tess Johnson has forced himself in the conversation as the go-to guy, even. And it helps because people got to worry about Troy Franklin. you got to have a man or two covering him. And so that helps, you know, 
attack from the slot like Tez Johnson is doing. But uh, and, and there's plenty others that you know, like Trayshawn Holden had himself a hell of a game, two TDs, and just looks elite. He took that slant to the house. It was awesome. Gary Bryan Jr. is still a great player. Still got many, many passing threats, but Tez Johnson's been real fun. Number seven, penalty problem? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We did better. Nine penalties as opposed to, to what was it, 14 penalties last time for 124 yards. Now it's nine penalties for 76 yards. It kind of is easy to divide it between first string and not first string. You know, the, the first half, a little bit into the second half, we had uh, many of the first stringers on there. The disconcerting one is Powers Johnson got two. This is after getting three against Texas Tech. They were different, though. They were not false starts. They were ineligible receivers downfield. That's, you know, RPO. The timing will be off. I'm guessing it seemed like it was split, like maybe one was on Powers Johnson, and then in the second half when it happened, that may have been an issue with Ty Thompson timing. Ty Thompson had a great game, don't get me wrong, but that may have been kind of something there by reading body language and stuff. You'd hope so. We know Powers Johnson is working on it. We know that Dan Landing afterwards said, like, if you can't, if you get penalties called on you, you're not playing. Now I'm not sure how much of that threat will exist when we're talking about the left tackle, a very talented left tackle. Seems like you know maybe it'd just be a drive. You take him out, put someone in. But um, yeah, it is a little concerning. Otherwise, I mean, we had like the Terrence Ferguson illegal touching. Yeah, he'll learn from that. You know, would have been a TD. If he stepped in, stayed in, though. We had a personal foul. We had Brandon Dorless roughing the passer. Not good, but um, we had pressure. That's good. Dante Manning had two of them. We had an offside that I think it was like fourth and six or something like that. They go for the field goal. There's an offside. It becomes a fourth and one. And then he had a defensive pass interference, and Dan Lanning was heated, you could tell. By that one. It's, I think he takes especially the pass interference personally. Landing does. Especially after <laughs> against Texas Tech when Kyrie Jackson like wasn't even looking behind, you know. They worked on that all week. Um maybe he was talking a little bit about Manning more so of I'm not sure you can keep your spot if you keep playing like this. Maybe Jaleel Florence, you know, gets even more playing time. Who knows? But uh, not to, you know, single manning out a bit. But um, And then otherwise we had, like, Solomon Davis got a defensive pass interference. Nico Reed. Uh, yeah. You know, kind of backup. Pretty late in the game. But still nine at home. We need to clean that up. I mean, sure, Colorado State got, like, a billion penalties against Colorado and still pushed them, but still. Uh, which leads us straight into number eight. Secondary solidifying. This was a huge problem for us last season. I'm feeling better and better about it. Transfer from Alabama, Kyrie Jackson had a great game. Got the the one turnover. Um, Tysheem Johnson, I'm more and more impressed every single time I'm watching this guy. Honestly, I think he was a huge get. 
Both those transfers have proved very valuable. Good experience. Um, Evan Williams also another brother connection, right? Evan Williams looking good. Had a few moments, a little shaky, but absolutely good. I mean, against Hawaii, we really shut him down. And then Dante Manning, as I was saying, mm, he's going to need to clean it up. But overall, I mean, holy cow. We held this, this, you know, this offense that is not tearing a bunch of teams up, but usually picks up good yards, you know. Um, we held them to just 142 yards through the air with a lot of our backups in after a while. So that's wonderful. Also got that pick. Um, Braden Tr uh, Shager, 27 of 43, 131 yards, one touchdown, one interception. I'll take it. The, the touchdown, as we all know, was late in the game. So the secondary is becoming much less of a problem. Number nine, garbage time is good. Yes, it's boring to watch. I'm sure quite a bit of you Duck fans turned over to Colorado, Colorado State when it was, you know, more than over. I, on the other hand, it is my sacred duty to always watch every minute of the Duck game. One screen. I'm not watching any other game. This one was kind of hard, but garbage time is good because we get the practice for other players. You know that is solid, especially when we're getting players like uh, like so many freshmen got in there. Solomon Davis, who got a penalty, but still. Um, Roderick Pleasant, Jerry Mixon, Tatum Tuioti, or Tatum Tuioti, uh, Dalen Austin, Blake Purchase. I mean, this is what made us so good during the Chip Kelly era, is all these blowouts made it so our, you know, freshmen or, or just the bench players could get in there and we could just get better and better. It was good to see, like, Steve Stevens get a lot of playing time and actually look good. He's been on the roster forever, but, you know, he may need to step up if anyone gets injured, if any of our starters. Um, Austin Novosad, obviously, if we're getting that deep, then that means good things. And Ty Thompson, straight up look good. Again, against Hawaii. But this season, he seems to really be making his case for, you know, week one of next season, I want to be the guy. I want to be the guy who, if the job's not mine, I was good enough to at least get a shot at it. Maybe he's good enough to keep it. He looked solid. Um, yeah, we had Lamar and Dowden, or Dowdell, two running backs of the future, uh, get late, 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 late play. But, yeah, garbage time is good. Number 10, Rainbow Warriors rule. We just, we just have to say this. I'll just put this up the entire time I'm talking about them. Hawaii is we're rooting for you so hard. Timmy Chang, I think it's a great hire as in this is a guy you just want to rally around through the, you know, what will most likely be bad for a while, through the bad and then hopefully then the good. You know, hopefully this is enough goodwill towards Hawaii Rainbow Warriors that this team can be a threat in the Mountain West or maybe even in the new Pac-12 or Pac-20 or Pac-West, whatever they're going to call it, if Hawaii gets the invite. I would love it. They can replace us and just dominate the Pac. 
conference. Um, but yeah, our hearts go out to them. It was nice that there was so many, so much fundraising events going on. They were great guests. Really want them to just dominate the rest of their schedule. Yeah, go Hawaii, go Rainbow Warriors. They're they're a cool, cool school to root for. And yes, we love them. Oh, Hawaii, and that logo, that old school logo, is so good. Number eleven, undefeated in the turnover war. This has got to be great. I mean, even with Ty Thompson getting a lot of playing time in the first game and in the third game, and, and Oversad, honestly, um, even with that close game in Texas Tech, we are dominating the turnover battle. We have thrown zero interceptions. We have lost zero fumbles. Um, and as of right now, especially thanks to <laughs> Tyler Shuck, we are 6-0. and in the turnover battle. That is amazing. We are winning. That's that's hardly a battle. Let's keep it up against Colorado. I mean, if we don't turn the ball over against Colorado, if we limit the penalties to, you know, under nine, then I think we got a real shot at dominating Colorado. Uh, I've said that. I, I thought we were going to dominate against Texas Tech, so I don't want to jinx us. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Absolutely. Hell yeah, baby. Now we got one more. One more lovely segment. And I even got this. I, I never push this button anymore, so might as well. That's right. We've got the bottom 11. The bottom 11 is where we talk about all the other schools that isn't the Oregon Ducks. This is a quick one because we'll talk about these on the on the main show. Uh, you know, this is a boring week. There was some fun, you know, outside of the Pac-12, there was some fun close calls. But overall, typically everyone was playing in, uh, an opponent that a cupcake, if you will. Someone that they should just dominate. And most of them did dominate. Utah 31-7 to over Weber State. Cam Rising still not there. Oregon State probably could have dominated a little bit more, but wins 26-9 over San Diego State. Uh, DJU did not have a great game, but overall the team did very well. 31-17 Cal versus Idaho. You know, listeners, all three of us had Idaho, and they took a 17-0 lead against Cal, so it really looked like it was going to happen for us. But then Cal woke up, kind of unfortunately. I mean, it's good for the pack, and we like Cal, and we love Rob Wong. But, uh, yeah, it was kind of funny. We wanted it to happen. UCLA dominated a team 59-7. That's all we got to say. Uh, as did Washington State, 64-21. to Washington State and Oregon State absolutely just that underdog mentality. The, the pack, two coming for us. Unfortunately, they play, I believe, in week four, which is, I don't know, it's unfortunate because you want both of them to be undefeated for longer, but still, it's fun to see that. They are legit scary teams. And then uh, Washington, speaking of scary teams, oh my goodness, Michael Penix. I know Michigan State is going through some ridiculous off-field disgustingness, but... They also had some disgusting stuff going on 
the field because at home, 41 to 7, they are dominated, and it wasn't even that close. Washington carved them a part, humiliated them. Michigan State's offense is terrible, but also Washington helped them look terrible. Got to give them credit. Stanford loses to Sac State. A couple of us did call that, not me, but a couple of us did call that on the show as well, so that feels good at least. We got one of the FCS. Um, That Colorado-Colorado State game was nutso. It definitely showed Colorado to be more vulnerable than their hype would indicate. Should Colorado State had a pulse. Hey, made Washington State's win pretty impressive over them in the long run. But, uh, yeah. Oh, boy. Colorado is a coming with a little less hype. But still undefeated. So that's wonderful. And, uh, and Travis Hunter, unfortunately, was hospitalized and definitely won't be playing against Oregon, which is a bummer. We wanted to best on best, you know. And it was a pretty nasty hit. From the Rams. Ugh, speaking of nasty, Fresno State, I knew this would happen. 29-0 to zero against Arizona State. Arizona State is year zero. Just ignore them for this whole year. And then 31-10, to 10, Arizona beats UTEP. Congrats, I guess. Long story short, Pac-12 looking damn good still, except for the very bottom. Go Ducks. Go Pac-12. And go celebrate, y'all. We love ya. Now, that was our sermon. I'm Chapman Shemail. We'll see y'all next week.